Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Noelle Biddinger with Biddinger Team Realtors in Canton, Michigan. Last year, she, her husband Lee, and team closed 154 transactions with a total sales volume of $43 million and a GCI of $1.2 million. Her average sales price was $282,000, of which 39% were buyers and 61% were sellers. In her best year, 2005, she sold 176 homes worth $42 million. Noelle has a 13-member team, four realtors, one operations director, one listing manager, one closing manager, one field manager, three contractors, a bookkeeper, a photographer, and a digital marketing group, and two team leaders. Noelle is the team leader of the Biddinger team. She's been an agent for 34 years and works the Detroit Ann Arbor market. In this call, Noelle talks about failing her licensing exam the first attempt, yet selling 30 homes her first year. Exactly what she did to get such a fast start. Working with her spouse for 34 years and why it's critical to establish clearly defined roles. How systems can set you free. What is a system? How can you set up a system and examples of systems? Software that digitizes your system and gets all your team members on the same page. How she gets 57% of her business by repeating referrals from past clients, including her annual marketing plan. Why she hosts three client parties per year instead of one. How she gets 31% of her business from internet leads. What is her number one best internet lead source and the company she hired to run her internet marketing? Who does a better job of converting internet leads, agents, ISAs, or outsource? Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Noelle. Hi there. Hey, Noelle. It's great to have you here. Noelle, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, it was a very, very different journey, and people still ask me, you know, how, why, why did you get into real estate? Both Lee and I were engineers, and as a matter of fact, we met at Ford Motor Company here in the Detroit area back in 1980-something or other, um, very early on. So I was actually still going to school, finishing up my last semester of school, and then we made a decision, hey, what else can we do in life rather than just engineering? seems kind of we were both not really too thrilled about going into he was he had already been an engineer he was working at the company at the time he interviewed me as I was a student engineer and then um, things happened from there so then we decided after we got together and we met and so on uh, we decided hey let's do something different from just doing engineering 
what can we do? We started selling Amway and started selling a few other things. And then we said, real estate, that's what we ought to do. That'll get us into a whole different thing where we were primarily at that time, well, not primarily, we were really focused on just making more money at that time in our lives many moons ago. <laughs> um, things have shifted a tremendous deal in today's world. But that's where we were, and we wanted to do something different dynamic. So that's how we got transitioned from engineering to real estate. has no relation whatsoever except to do something different. Wow. Well, I've got to ask right off the bat then, are you familiar with the DISC profile test? Yeah. <laughs> and where, where do you score out on that test, the DISC? My D is through the roof. Unbelievable. Unfortunately, Lee's D is uh, pretty high up there, too. <laughs> so a lot of butting heads, that's for sure. But I'm a D and a C. There's no question about it. And he's a D and an I, really, which is a kind of unusual, but that's what he is. Um, but yeah, that's what we are. Wow. Okay. So I was expecting to hear C because of the engineering, yeah. but you have the D and then the C secondary. Yeah. And they're definitely a well, not as much C, certainly, because, again, that D is very, very high. But I, I am extremely, they call me the Excel spreadsheet queen. And I mean, I'm very detail-oriented. There's no question about that. You've mentioned Lee, and Lee is your husband, and you and he entered the business together and been working together for all this time, correct? Exactly. Yep. We got our licenses together, entered together. I failed my test the first time around. He laughed at me, and then we both we're realtors. <laughs> I passed my broker test first time around and it took him three times. So there. Oh, payback. <laughs> but yeah, we both got in the business together and people always ask, you know, how is it that you work well together, that you work together? I can never do that with my husband or my wife. And yeah, it's been challenging. It's not always a piece of cake. You should hear us in the office sometimes. The staff certainly lets us know to quiet down because we're at it a lot of times. We don't have very well-defined roles. I've been still for 34 years now, been working on getting well-defined roles so that he doesn't interfere with what I do and I don't interfere with what he does. But we're both very curious and nosy and want to know what's happening. So if one of the agents is talking to me about a transaction that they're doing, then Lee turns his desk around because he sits about three feet from me and chimes in on the conversation. He enjoys doing it. I'm not going to stop him from doing it. But I do like to have that separation so that the realtors aren't confused about what the leadership is doing and who to go to at any time, but it seems to work pretty well. Very occasionally, is, is it an issue, but not so much. So you work together with Lee in the same room right next to each other? You said three feet away? I think it's actually two and a half feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very close. No, it's about four feet or something. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, we're in the same room, we're in staff is right down the way there, and uh, yeah, for 34 years, unbelievable. Live together, work together, do everything together. It's, it's been interesting, but uh, yeah, it's that close. So even when we travel and we go somewhere and we're booking airline flights, he says, well, no, 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 we gotta, gotta sit together, you know? I said, it's okay, Lee, it's all right if we don't sit together, we're always sitting together anyhow. So I kind of laugh about that because it's too much togetherness. True Life Partners. That is fantastic. Well, we're going to come right back to that. But before we do, I just want to get some quick information out there for everyone. So first of all, let's flash back to when you first got into real estate that first year. Did you have a fast start or a slow start? That was extremely fast. It was really, really fast. 
as a matter of fact, the community, the real estate community was amazed at who are these guys? What's happening here? When I say fast, it was really approximately maybe six months. But in that six-month period, it was unbelievable what we were doing. We learned about farming, geographical farming in our Century 21 classes back then, and they told us that that's very important to do. So we worked our neighborhood like crazy, knocking on doors, doing everything possible in the heat, in the snow, everything. And all this work was being done, you know, behind the scenes. Nobody was really seeing what we were doing. As a matter of fact, my broker then gave me a desk. Lee was still at Ford at the time, and I was full-time at the office. He had me share a desk in one of those cubicles with another realtor, and she kept coming in and seeing that I was sitting at her desk and was getting kind of annoyed. So finally, uh, my manager spoke with me and told me that, you know what, when I hired you guys, I never thought that you were going to be here that often, and that's why I had you share a desk, and I didn't think that you were going to excel this quickly, so I guess you need your own desk. <laughs> but he really didn't think that we were going to make it back then. But yeah, it was a quick, quick rise because we did all the things that we were told to do, basically. And then all of a sudden, the listings started exploding, and we were listing everything around. And I had my mentors, and I had two realtors in the office that I really wanted to be like them when I grew up. And sure enough, I had eventually surpassed them, which was nice. You said you had that fast start. Do you recall how many closings you had that first year? We got our licenses in October of 1983. And in 1984, I believe we had something like about maybe 30 listings, which was pretty good for those days. Did you say that initially you were working the real estate side and Lee was still working at Ford as an engineer? Correct. He was still there for about 10 years after we got our licenses, but he would get out of there at 3.30. He was manager there. He would get out of there at 3.30, come right to the real estate office and you know, start making his phone calls. We used to go out together and knock on the doors and make phone calls. In those days, we didn't have do not call lists or anything, so we'd make calls like crazy. And then also knock on doors, send out flyers, did everything. We had an Apple IIe computer. We were the first ones to be computerized and did all of our laser printing uh, of our postcards and everything right at home. But yeah, he, he stayed at Ford for a while before he, because he had everything there. We had insurance, we had the lease cars and all of that stuff because he was in a pretty high role there. And then finally made a decision that, hey, I think it's safe enough after 10 years, we were doing very well, that it's time for him to let go. It was a scary decision, but it was made. Now, how long have you been in the business to date? This October will be actually 35 years, 35 years. Let's fast forward to today. How many homes did you sell last year and what was the sales volume? Well, last year we closed 154 homes and it was approximately just a little over 43 mil. Do you recall the GCI? Right around 1.275. Not right around. It is 1.275. No. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> And if you were to think back, do you recall your, your best uh, sales year, number of units and volume, and what year it was? Well, it's kind of like a toss-up between last year and 2005. We had a few more units, 176 homes that we sold in 2005 versus 154 last year, but the volume was about the same. Now, average price ranges, of course, were different, so that's why the difference there. And have you ever gone back and added up uh, how many homes and 
volume you've done over your entire career? Yeah, <laughs> I, I got everything on Excel here. But every year we have what we call, it's called an income tracker. It really should be called a closing tracker because we have all kinds of trackers for everything to track everything, basically. And on that income tracker, we have all of the sales that we've made, the lead sources that they came in from, uh, the volume, which agent did what, and that sort of thing, just to keep track of everything. But overall, as best as we can figure, there's a few years that I had some missing information, but about 4,350 homes in that 35-year period, which amounted to $967 million in volume and $26 million in GCI. So you are coming up on becoming a billion-dollar agent. Yeah, very, very close. But I'm wondering where all that $26 million is. <laughs> that's not bad at all. <laughs> that's yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. good stuff. Well, very good. It sounds like you, you do a lot of tracking and systems. We're going to come back to that. But before we do, I, I want to go back in and talk about working as a husband and wife team. You said you have very close proximity to each other. You go out and travel together. You're constantly together. And so you're, you're two Ds. You must have clashed, especially initially. How have you worked that out? No, not initially. Initially and currently, too. I mean, all the time. <laughs> we know, obviously, after it's 36 years of marriage. We were married a year before we got into the business. With all of this, you kind of learn to back off sometimes and just let him or her have her way and figure out how to work together that way. We don't do everything together as far as the business is concerned. The realtors, for the most part, know, hey, come to Noel for any transactional issues, any problems you're having with a deal, any coaching, any training, all that I can take care of. Lee does do the training as far as all the internet stuff. He takes care of all of our internet leads and how to dole those out and what systems to use and that sort of thing. He's really more of the technology person and that's primarily what he does to coach them mostly on the buyer end as far as that's concerned. And I coach mostly on the on the listing end. But what he does too is we have a good amount of uh, rental properties. So he has his hands full with those. I keep telling him to turn those over to management company, but he does it himself. That is a full-time job in itself. If somebody were to walk in the office and ask, I want to talk to the team leader or the manager of this group, who would they walk up to? I would probably say it would be me. I don't like to say that, but that is usually what it is. But his input is invaluable. I mean, whenever we have a struggle with something, both of us get together and sit down and figure out how are we going to solve this. So his input for me, for what I'm doing, and, and vice versa too. He has a lot of issues with other things that he's doing and making decisions and so on. So we do make those decisions together. Um, so I think it's kind of equal, but I would probably say they would tend to come to me that I keep it together. Is Lee in the real estate business in the brokerage side day to day, or does he come in more like one day a week and things like that? No, no, no. He's there every single day. He's actually in the office more than I am. I like to stay away. I either stay home, which is where I am right now because I have the whole house to myself or else um, I go to the library, believe it or not. We have a big, beautiful office. But for peace and quiet and to get solid work done, I do like to stay at home or elsewhere, coffee shop, whatever, and get some work done without any interruptions there. So no, he's there all the time, basically. 
So you have some quiet or safe space, some space away from the office, away from the group, away from your partner, your husband, where you can think clearly and get your work done. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really crucial because no matter what the situation is, I mean, they still interrupt by texting me and calling me on outside of the office, but it's different. If somebody walks in, if somebody comes into the office, it's just not the same. And then you're more prone to um, chiming in on something that you're overhearing over there if I am there. So it's best if I'm away in order to make myself most effective. What percentage of the time during that typical week are you in the office versus working elsewhere? For my work time, I would probably say maybe 70% in the office and 30% I do elsewhere. If a husband and wife team that's just getting started or even they're just they're maybe a year or two in, they're listening right now and they want to make things work and they come walk up to you and they ask for advice, what type of advice would you give them? If they're a husband and wife team, I would say, don't do it together. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get into business together. No, I'm just kidding. No, it can certainly work. Um, It's just a matter of clearly defining each other's roles. Again, we're always constantly trying to work on that, and I think we have it done pretty well right now. Noel, where are you? Where is Canton, Michigan? Well, Canton is a little suburb of about 90,000 population. Smack dab, almost right in between Detroit and Ann Arbor. We're actually closer to Ann Arbor, about 20 minutes from Ann Arbor, about 35 minutes from downtown Detroit. And Detroit is hustling and bustling these days. I know we were down in the doldrums, but it is a great up-and-coming city, which is something you'd never heard about Detroit before. But that's where we're located. And we work mostly the suburb, the, those western Detroit suburbs, which would be Canton is one of them, Plymouth, Northville, that sort of thing. Describe your market. Well, right now it is, surprise, surprise, um, it's a seller's market. And it is definitely, obviously, in the, being a seller's market, we don't have a whole lot of product out there. Once it does come on the market, any homes, any condos, then they quickly disappear off the market if they're anywhere uh, decent and priced fairly well, even if they're overpriced, they're selling, obviously, in this kind of market. So it's very much that kind of market, and it's been that way since 2011, since we've recovered from what we were in back then, and increasing nice and steadily. So prices here are just about actually a little bit over what they were in 2006 when we started going downhill. So that's a nice thing. Very quick moving market, multiple offers, all of that situation. And our average price range right now is right around 280, somewhere around 280, a little bit less for our buyers, I think 267 or so for our buyers, and maybe a little bit higher to 289 or so for our seller sales. You have this DC personality, so you're a perfect person to ask about this. When I asked you online, we were going back and forth what we should talk about today. You mentioned systems. Could you describe to everyone how you would define a system? What is a system? Well, I kind of obsess over this, really, and sometimes my team tells me to relax about it. But whenever there's anything happens in the company, the team, the transactions, whatever, and I feel that it could possibly happen again, then we need to create a system and figure out, you know, how can we avoid this? Certain things, of course, you're not going to be able to avoid. But for the most part, if you keep doing the same thing, you're getting the same results, you know something is wrong there that you need to change things so that doesn't continue to happen. And therefore, we need to create a system. It could be something for as tiny as when we open up the office, 
you know, the start of the day, get the mail, you know, unlock the doors, open up all the lights uh, and all of that kind of stuff. But really more involved is we have a seller process and a buyer process that I think is second to none. It's fantastic what we do for the pre-list, what we do during the seller process. We have onboarding systems. We have written processes for the sellers and for for the agents to do all of our systems and how we do things because sometimes we do hire realtors that are seasoned and then sometimes brand new agents also. So the brand new ones, of course, need to have all kinds of everything written out for them. And the seasoned realtors need to understand that I know that's how you did it over there, but we do it here a little bit differently. I love to get their input to see if there's anything we should change. But for the most part, everybody on a team can't continue to do or can't do things their own way because we all have to be cohesive. My closing manager the other day came to me yesterday and said to me that one of our agents wants to have a soul sign, their soul signs put up on their listings after the appraisal. I said, yeah, but we always do it right after the inspection, not after the appraisal to get as much time for a soul sign to be up there. So I went and spoke with the agent. He said, no, 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 I think she misunderstood me. But my point is, is that if he wanted to do it that way and we do it this way, that can't be on a team. We all have to do it the same way so as to not confuse the closing manager and so everyone's not doing it differently. That's what you have in a non-team operation, which is what we used to run. We used to run a REMAX office for 25 years. We used to own it. And yes, then you have a, a herd over there where everybody does things differently, and that's much more difficult to manage. But on a team, if we all are cohesive, then we do things one way. And therefore, we create one system to do it all the same way, basically. Same thing with our marketing, our past client events, uh, newsletters, everything has a system, basically, because it's important to have that. As Howard Britton used to say, the systems will set you free. (laughs) Howard was awesome. And so how do you memorialize this? So the system is just that you're doing the same thing over and over. Whenever you repeat a process, you want to make sure you do it the same way. How are you memorializing that? Did you have it written down? Is it on paper? Is it in a computer? Is it in checklist format? Give us more of the particulars on the system itself. Really all of the above. It has to be in a somewhat of a checklist format. Some of the things are checklisted. It's obviously in our, we have, we do everything on Google Drive. Everything is there accessible to everyone so that we all share everything. We used to have our own private server and our own G Drive in our company, but then if you're outside of the office, then you can't access it. But obviously, everything is online now with Google Drive. So that's pretty nice for all to access it because all of our trackers are that way, too. When they have a listing, they put their listing in the tracker. They can do that from anywhere, from home, from the beach, whatever, and be able to track what their sales are, what their listings, buyers, whatever. But let's say, for example, in the seller process, as a matter of fact, the seller process and the buyer process, in the last three weeks, I've revamped those totally and redid some wonderful things there. When they go on a listing appointment, I recorded a video so that it's me on the video introducing the agent to them. And then also, I don't know if you're familiar with something, it's a magazine type of booklet called Issue, I-S-S-U-U, which is very, very cool. So instead of actually sending them, we used to send a pre-list packet, which was a physical package to their home, that's kind of awkward. You don't know where to leave it in between the screen door or whatever, and, and then you have to remind them to see it. But instead, what we do now is email them a packet, and that is in the form of this issue news magazine. 
And then it has several links, a links of our 65-point marketing plan, and then a link for our endorsements or testimonials, and then a link for where all our sales are on a map. So it's a very, very nice introduction to the sellers about us before they ever get there. And then the agents know precisely what to do when to get there. And that's the system. I mean, that's the way we do it all rather than just going out there and winging it, basically. And then the other thing that has to be done in the seller and the buyer process, especially in the seller process, is we make very, very clear what to expect to be able to manage their expectations. So we tell them exactly how we operate. For example, I just took a new listing, which I hardly do, but I just took a new listing and the previous lister contacted me, it was listed with someone else, the previous realtor, and told me that you're going to have a very difficult time with this seller. They're going to contact you all the time and all of this stuff. So I emailed the seller and made it very clear how we operate and who's going to be in touch with who in a very gentle and nice way. And they contacted me back and said, absolutely, I understand. Because I set the expectations from them about this is how I operate. It causes me so much less grief in the future to not have to drop everything and answer to a homeowner. That's what I never liked really about the long process of having a home on the market. That's why I like a seller market better than a buyer market. But again, going back to the systems, it's a matter of, you know, the realtors are, are lost. They want this guidance and they want these things put in place so that they're not winging in and they have some sort of way to operate and to do things, especially if they're new. But even if they're not new, they still appreciate that. So it's there for them. Do you use a software program to keep track of all these to-dos? Yeah, we use RealFob. We were actually um, one of the first ones to use a system called Agent 2000. <laughs> Agent Online is what it had become. And then about two or three years ago, I believe, we switched over to RealVob. I loved Agent 2000, and I was desperately looking for something similar to that and tried several things in between, but finally decided that we were going to use RealVob. In RealVolve, they have what they call workflows, which in Agent 2000 was what they call the marketing plans or, or plans, I think, action plans. So these workflows are a series of things that our closing manager does in order to transact the file from the time that it becomes a sale all the way through to closing. A list of all kinds of things, and that's sort of a checklist for her. And then the same thing with the listing process. What Shauna will do when we give her listing is these are all the steps that she takes. So nothing is missed. We used to, in between the programs, we used to do a paper process. Very, very difficult. If you have enough transactions that you're doing, you can't do it by paper. That's impossible because you can't, if you have 20, 40 transactions pending, it's very difficult to keep things straight. So these things on these workflows or these tasks on these workflows come up in her calendar to remind her that, hey, you have to do this for 123 Main Street. You have to do this for 456 Elm and that sort of thing. So it really keeps things in place that way. So that, too, is a system. That's our CRM. That's where we put all of our database also. So we've always kept track of our past clients in a database of some sort. And that's what this does as well. I don't understand the name of the product, the software. Could you spell it for us? For some reason, my ear is not hearing it. Realvolve, R-E-A-L-V-O-L-V-E. It does some wonderful things. Um, it really keeps a lot of things in track. Again, it's really a, a contact relation manager, a CRM of some sort, because we put all of our clients in there upon a transaction, and we keep them in there and continue to work with them from there 
but again, when we have a sale or a listing, all of the details of the transaction are put in there as well. And I assume that the software is in the cloud and everybody can tap into it from wherever they are? Exactly. How long ago did you move to Revolve? I believe three years ago. And when you transitioned your CRM, was that a difficult or easy process? No, actually, I was agonizing because I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be missing some stuff and it's going to get all messed up because um, I hear horror stories, of course. It wasn't difficult. Realvolve really, really helped with that. You couldn't transfer everything, but that's okay because I kept those on my Excel spreadsheet of the previous sales that happened in the other system. It wasn't a difficult transition at all. We did use Top Producer in between, but that I just did not enjoy at all. Just a little too many clicks and too involved and very difficult learning process there. For an agent who's newer to the business or hasn't created any systems yet, what process do you recommend that they use to create the system itself? So for instance, to your seller process, if they wanted to create a seller process, should they just have a little notepad next to them that they, they're tracking what they do on a particular transaction and they see what's duplicated on the next one? How should they go about creating the system in the first place? Well, that's the way I learned, basically. You definitely learn from what you have done. I didn't have any trainer, any coach, any whatever. We did it all ourselves. But yeah, you have to go by your experience. Of course, you're going to, many of these real estate companies do have trainers and all of that there that, and coaches that can help you out with that. But as you're doing it, I just watched a, a YouTube video by Tom Ferry. You can learn all you want to learn from just watching those videos. Because what it does is he touches on so many different subjects. And one of the things that he touched on is the fact that after every appointment, at least this is what he tells sellers or what he's telling you to tell sellers, is I sit down in my car before I go anywhere. I write down all of the questions that you had asked me and what things were concerns of yours so that I know the next time I come out that this is how I'm going to address them and this is how I'm going to be able to handle that particular situation. And that is exactly what you said at the top, is learn from what your past experiences have been with your other transactions or with your previous transactions as you're doing them. Because it really is, you can't continue to do the same mistakes if you know that that is where you stumbled and go back and learn that script or figure out what to do as far as that thing that, that made you stumble or get in trouble that way or not get the deal, basically. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Well, thank you, Noel. Thank you for walking us through systems. I'd like to switch gears at this point and talk about marketing and lead generation. First of all, I believe about 57% of your business is coming from repeat and referrals from past clients and sphere of influence. So let's talk about that. Repeat and referrals, past clients, sphere of influence. The first question is, how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? 
Uh, it's approximately 1,800. We've weeded out a lot of things about the years, but about 1,800. And about, I think, 300 of those are out of state. We're always debating whether or not we should continue to market to those. I've always been of the opinion that, hey, you never know when they're going to come back or if they have relatives, family, whatever in the area. Keep them on your list no matter what, even though you know they're not going to attend some of the events that you have and so on. So we still continue to market to them not as heavily as we do to the in-state or, or local people here. But we've always been heavy on marketing to our past clients. We learned that many, many years ago also. And that was why we started creating programs and things and events for them. We started out many years ago doing a client appreciation party, which was a full-blown event at a, at a, a catering hall at a hall. And it was a very expensive thing to do. That was a once a year event. But now instead of that, we've divided it up and do several events throughout the year. And that, I think, is a much more successful thing because you see them more often and you're, and perhaps not all of them attend, but still it's there for them. It's really in the invitation. So from what I understand, just real quickly, on the number of people in your database, about 1,500 are local. I assume that's most of the business. At that 1,500, if you were to break it out, how many of those are past clients and how many of those are sphere of influence? Actually, those are only our past clients. None of those are sphere of influence. Sphere of influence, I kind of have them on a different kind of program where we don't send them all of the same stuff. But really, I'm, 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 my next project is to tackle our past client, how we can revamp that a little bit more, just like I did with the seller and the buyer press recently but it's time to readdress that and see how can I communicate more with the sphere of influence because we have referrals from people, people that send us names. I don't know who they are. I didn't know who they are, but now I do, and I need to do other stuff for these people because they're not really past clients. Well, let's talk about what you've been doing with your past clients because it's been working. Let's talk about that. And the first question for that is your marketing plan? Do you have an annual marketing plan? What are you doing to stay in front of those people? You mentioned events. Could you give us everything you do over the course of a year to stay in front of your past clients? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what we do with that is at the end of every year, we actually redo our marketing calendar. And yes, we have a specific marketing calendar. We use a Google Drive, as I mentioned, and we're all, we're on a Gmail system. So all of our calendars appear together in the Gmail system so we can see each other. And that's how we schedule closings for the realtor. The closing manager looks at their calendar to be able to figure that out. But one of the calendars that we have on there also is a marketing calendar. And if you click on that, you'll see all of our things that we have to do for our events. For example, we send out a newsletter every month through Real Estate Marketing, which is a fantastic company that does really super high quality newsletters that go out. It's a four-pager that goes out to our high-end subdivisions that we work with here. So we put on that marketing calendar when those newsletters are going to go out, when they need to be sent out, when they're going to be received, when they need to be worked on. So every month you have those three things for each newsletter. And then in addition to that, we have each event that we're doing. So the three events that we have for our client events are Number one, in the spring, usually about March or April, we do a movie event where we rent out a theater and then invite our clients to an up-and-coming movie that they're really anticipating. Last year, we did Beauty and the Beast. 
which was fabulous. And this year we did A Wrinkle in Time. It always has to be somewhat of a PG movie because that one we invite the kids and the parents. Um, and that's usually on a Saturday morning. And then on, uh, in September, in the fall, we have an event here in Canton uh, where, where the township actually does a, a cleanup where they can take their stuff to the dump here in town. But what we do in conjunction with that is what we call our Dump, Donate, and Shred Day. And what that is is to allow them to come into our parking lot and then dump their stuff because we have a giant dumpster there for them. And then we have a giant shredding truck, and they come and shred a lot of their stuff, too. They bring boxes and boxes. This is open to the whole community, actually, not just our past clients because it's in the newsletter. It's advertised in the newsletter. And then we ask them to bring in a donation. So that's why it's called Dump, Donate, and Shred Day. And then we have a pie giveaway two days before Thanksgiving. On Tuesday before Thanksgiving, we've been giving away pies for many years now, pumpkin pies to our clients. So that is really the highlight. Everybody loves those pumpkin pies because they're big Costco pumpkin pies and they're fabulous. So those are the three events that we have. We like to see our people. I've been working closely with Michael Mayer in other events that we're doing. And he's guided us and coached us to do several other things to beef those up a little bit. And one of the things he introduced us to is to have a client entry registration form right then and there. We would just check off their names as they came in, but I'd rather have a door prize entry form where they are going to get a prize for giving us some more information. And what that additional information is, things like, would you recommend us to anyone else and, and, and how if you felt the experience, it's basically a testimonial um, and how they felt about their experiences with Bittinger team on a scale of one to 10. So it just takes it to a different level and they're very happy to fill those out usually. So those are the three events that we have in addition to, you know, whatever other marketing we do goes all on that marketing calendar. But that again is another system because several years back, we would just say, oh my gosh, the Dump, donate, and shred day thing is coming up, and we didn't prepare for it. You got to get this done. But it's all in a calendar now, so you're not panicking when the time comes, basically. And that, on that door prize, I assume that they're filling in contact information so you can update your database if they have new contact info. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And really, when we do have them sign up or register, for example, for picking up a pie, they do have to register so we know how many pies to purchase for them then they're kind of updating their information on there too, because we do that on a Google form so that that is updated there. But then this is in case, you know, the other spouse came in and picked it up and that sort of thing. And then it asks them, you know, out of all the people that you know, who do you think is most likely interested in selling or buying real estate? So if they have a referral, then they throw that on there too. One of the questions that you asked before is what would you advise to tell a new person coming into the business? And one of them would be, definitely to keep track of your database. When we were owners of the Remax company that we were owners at, we would emphasize that to the realtors that the best thing that you can do is keep track of your clients and continue to send them, even if something doesn't have to be a big party in the beginning, but just a, a card of some sort on an anniversary date or, or a holiday card or something or other. Don't lose track of your clients because that's where your business is going to come from in the future. 57% of our business is coming from there. And I believe about 10% of budget is past client and repeat business expenses, as opposed to we have 31% coming from the internet. And that I believe is a little over 60% of our budget, which doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to continue to 
throw money at other sources rather than your own client. I yearn for the day, and that's what keeps me going sometimes, is when we're able to get really 80 or 90% of business coming from past client and referral because it's going to cost us a whole lot less, but you're just a little concerned about letting that go just yet. Have to work on another 35 years. (laughs) 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 A few more years. Uh, Noel, you're doing these three events per year. You started with one, you spread it out to three. I assume it's because you're able to make so many contacts with your past clients in such a nice, friendly way. You know, instead of begging for a referral, you get to invite them to a party or an event. And uh, if I'm thinking about it correctly, you're going to maybe make three invites in the beginning, the event itself, and maybe a post contact. That's like five contacts for each event. You have 15 contacts a year by putting on those three events. Is that why you're doing the events? That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it's all about. It's not just one event. The event is not really the most important part of it. It is the invitation. The invitation is really the most important part because in that invitation, you're number one sending out an invitation, then we're making calls around that invitation, and then we're also sending an email blast to them. And then there's a text blast also uh, the day before the actual event to remind them about the event. So they're getting a lot of communication before the event ever happens. That's three or four communications prior to the event, then the event itself. Then there's a post survey afterwards with some photos and so on for those that were there and those that have missed it saying, sorry, we've missed you so that they can keep that in mind for next year. So, yeah, there's a lot of contacts for that one particular event. And then we send them newsletters throughout the year also. So the past clients are being well taken care of. Let me ask you this. Do you have a smaller subset group out of the 1,500 that, say, are your top referrers that you do something different or special with in addition to this? No, but I'd love to do that because Michael and I were coaching about that to create what we call a board of advisors, basically, or ambassadors or whatever. And what that is, is basically take our, we have about 125, we've already identified them, about 125 of those 1,800 or so that are our top referral sources or clients we'd like to get to know better and so on that I'd like to do that with, have some sort of advisory board where we do one particular event for them in addition to all of those other events, uh, one additional event per year, and kind of have a focus group of sorts also with them. So I still have not developed that, but I think it's a great idea. So you haven't implemented that yet, but I am curious, how did you identify the 125? How did you find those people? How did you say you're in this select group? Well, by several things. I I had to go through it. Not only I can do this, nobody can do it for me, unfortunately, but I had to go through my entire database and then just identify which people have given us a referral. And I do have that documented in my system, too. How many have ever given us a referral? And then even if they hadn't, and I thought they were a pretty influential person in the community, then I would mark them on there also. So that's as simple as that. I want to ask you about another marketing type. You said that you're getting a lot of your business, of course, from past clients, and you're focused on that, which makes a lot of sense. But you also have 31% of your business coming in from internet leads. What are you doing in that world? How are you generating internet leads? What type of leads? What's the source? Give us some more information about that. Well, 
for many different things. Uh, for the first time this year, we have uh, decided to research Zillow. I know I've been holding off on this for a long time because I thought they were going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> but they ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so, yes, we have our marketing ourselves on Zillow, uh, paying a whole lot of money for that. Boomtown, we've been with Boomtown for quite a while. Boomtown is another lead generating source, a website, and then Bold Leads as well. And then, of course, our own website, Binger.com. We recently hired a company. We used to have a person who lived locally here that did all of our social media stuff and created our Facebook business page and posted on there the local community happenings. It's really more not a Bittinger team Facebook page. It's actually called Living in Plymouth, Canton, Northville, because it's about the community and it's really a community source for them. And I think we have over 6,000 followers or likes on there right now. But she decided to give it up because it was a whole lot of work for her. And we lost her at the end of last year. But we hired a marketing company that is unbelievable. They took over where she picked off um, as far as, you know, the blogs, keeping up the business page. They do much more than that, though. They do our, all our Google analytics, figure out where things are, how to do SEO, SEM, all that stuff. So they really, really have everything under control and I don't have to worry about any of that digital stuff anymore just to keep us up there, basically. So that is huge. But as far as the business coming in, and that's what all they're trying to do is drive traffic to our websites and our sources and so on. That's a costly venture, though. That's not an inexpensive thing to hire a marketing company to do that for you. What's the name of that marketing company? It's called ARC, A-R-C, Minute Marketing, ARC Minute Marketing. And they worked with realtors before, but they sure got to know the real estate industry. So I'm sure they would be able to help anyone out throughout the community as long as, you know, you have good systems put together and so on. Currently, what is your number one best lead source for resulting in actual closings? What's your number one best internet lead source? Oh, the internet lead source? I would say Boomtown. Boomtown. Which is, we've been with them for, I think, uh, since almost since their inception. I don't know if that was nine years ago or 10 years ago or something like that. But yeah, they do definitely drive the traffic, no question about that. But of course, like any internet source, you have to work them. I mean, you can't, uh, there's going to be good stuff, there's going to be not so good stuff, but you have to consistently work them. It's not a matter of getting ready to go buyers every lead that comes in. Do you know what your conversion rate is on the leads that are coming in from Boomtown? Uh, It's not the highest, but it's about two and a half, somewhere around there, two and a half percent. It's actually not too bad. Yeah, two and a half percent. What type of follow-up systems do you have in place to follow up with those leads that are coming in? The agents immediately, they know the importance of speed to lead and all of that stuff. Lead coaches mostly on that end of it, but they know they have to get to them fast and they know that these are, well, let me backtrack first of all. We do have, we had in-house ISAs to take care of those leads and then pass them on to the agents. But we haven't had success with keeping those. That's a very difficult position to keep because it's a monotonous position, basically. So what we did is hire out a different company called Rockerbox to handle those for us. So what they do is take the leads that come in, in particular from Boomtown, and then they basically scrub them for us, as we used to call it, where they're screening those out and seeing which ones are viable enough to send over to our agents to work with them. 
we've since moved on to a different company. Actually, just hired another company called Conversion Monster to handle those for us. So we're going to see how that works. But we are convinced that, you know, sometimes you keep thinking, why don't we have just have the realtors go back and take care of the leads rather than hiring an outside company? Um, but it just doesn't work out. I wholeheartedly believe that the realtors will get bogged down. And we have great realtors that really are conscientious about getting back with their clients and so on. But if they're busy working with their clients and deals out there, then it's very difficult for them to keep up with the prospecting end of it as far as weeding out those particular leads that come in. So I do believe definitely that you have to have a company in order to do that for you if you're going to if you're going to create or, or have a, a website like that where it's generating leads for you, you can't keep up with them otherwise. Have you had in the past where the agents were following up with these leads themselves? Yes. And that's when we realized, nope, we need an ISA. That's when we went to the in-house ISA situation. And then when those gals didn't work out because there was a very high turnover there, then we decided to go get an outside source to do that. Yeah, it's it's kind of the key crux, isn't it? It's a lot of effort, and you've now gone through a couple different variations. You had the agent doing it, in-house ISA, now you have an outside company, and you actually are now changing to a different outside company. Those outside companies, those are kind of interesting. Have they done a decent job of cleaning the lead before they hand it off? No, and that's why the bouncing around. Right now, we're bouncing around to find that great system because it's not. They're not so much qualified when they do get to us that the realtors still have to do a lot. But what they do is at least weed out the ones that are absolutely a no-go so that the realtors aren't bogged down with that. But that's an expensive way to do that, to get a company to handle those for you. In that respect, and I've spoken with many realtors throughout my private Facebook pages and all that, it's so difficult to figure out what the best system for that is. I, I really don't have a good answer as far as what is the best route. Do you have an in-house ISA in your office doing that? Do you have the realtors do it or do you hire an outside company? Beats me. I'm still experimenting with that. And that's what makes the business interesting, right? We always have a challenge. Yeah. Well, you are, you're, you're very analytical. You approach this from a very interesting perspective. So I have a question for you. Have you broken out the internet lead part of your business, have you broken out the revenues that have come in versus the expenses that it costs you to determine whether there's a true ROI there or whether it's just breaking even or losing money? Are you able to identify whether that internet lead business is actually profitable? Well, the only way we've done that is I had here 57% of our businesses from repeat referral, as we mentioned. And that's only 10% of our marketing budget. 31% is coming from the internet, and that's actually 40% of the budget. So can you say that that's profitable? Um, it's obviously much more profitable to work with your past clients, but it depends on what you like to do. Do you like making phone calls and, and follow-ups and, and events and so on for your past clients? Or do you prefer just to do this general, you know, burn them, churn them, and keep getting new business coming in? In my ideal world, I would love to have Again, a much higher percentage, 80 or 90% from past clients, and let all of that other marketing go. We're pretty well known in the community now that I don't need to market myself as far as the brand name is concerned. However, you still need to have a presence online. You can't not. I believe you have to have a Zillow presence online, even if you're paying the minimum, because unfortunately, that's where the buyers and, and some sellers are. 
they're still going to these big sites because they're well promoted and so on. You can never compete with that. So as far as exactly what the percentage is of the business that's coming, I know what the budget amount is, but I can't say that it's 100% profitable. In other words, if I let the internet process go totally, first of all, you can't do that. Of course, you need internet leads. You need, you need to have an internet presence, period. But if I let it go totally, how much our business would drop, that would be hard to say. I'd have to beef up the past client business before I even consider doing something like that. Well, thank you for walking through the analysis. I want to switch gears with you and talk about your team. Could you describe your team to us? Well, I do have, I think it's 13 members now. But what we have is, of course, the realtors, four realtors that we have. And we're putting on two additional realtors because I sincerely believe that I fought this for a long time with my coach, Bill Renault, And that is, he's always told me and past coaches also that the more realtors you bring into the team, the greater your business will grow. Seems like it makes sense, but there's always that issue of, well, I don't have enough business, you know? If I don't have enough business, how can I bring anybody else in? And of course, that's how the existing realtors look at it also. Uh Uh-oh, they're bringing in somebody else. Um, Is that going to take away from my business? Well, now I'm convinced that Bill is correct in saying that, no, the more realtors you bring in, the more your business will grow. No question about that. But what we had last year and for many years prior to that is a listing specialist and a buyer specialist model where the two don't mix at all. You, If you're going to do listings, you're only going to do listings. If you're going to do buyers, you only do buyers. And if you take a listing and they become a buyer, then that goes to the buyer agent. Kind of awkward for the client, but more so the reason we switched over this year to the other model, which is, hey, you're a realtor. No matter what, you can do both buyers and sellers if you're a seasoned realtor. When they first start out with us, I have a brand new agent that just started a couple of weeks ago. She's starting out as a buyer agent still until we transition her onto being a, to do both ends. And the reason we did that is because we had a very unfair situation last year where we had one agent that made 188000 She was our only listing specialist. And then we had the two other buyer agents and the next highest income for one of them was 100000 So there was a big disparity there in income. They were both working real hard. As a matter of fact, I would say the buyer agent was working much harder because that's how it is in today's world. So it became very unfair that I would have listing lead and I would pass it on and say, hey, you take on this listing. When the buyer leads that come in, you have to work them a whole lot harder besides taking them out and making five offers for every buyer out there. But it's just getting them to the office to do a buyer consultation was even so difficult. And they were both at, my split was the same for both of them. And then we made a decision that let's even it out. Let's have each of you seasoned agents now do both sides. That upset the listing agent. She didn't stay with us at the end of the year. She left because of that. And then the other agents were much happier. So I think everybody will be happier if you allow them to do both ends is what I'm getting at. And that's the model that we want to go by. And that is um, makes it less confusing for the client as well to be able to deal with one realtor. If they're equally talented in both ends, then why not do that? Our commission was split with them was all across the board. It used to be 35%, whether they were doing a buyer deal or a similar deal. But now we have split it up. It gets quite complicated, but just to simplify it, I'll tell you real quick. We do have that the listing end is at 30% and the buyer end is at 35%, but we also have it set up 
and this is where it becomes complicated, and our spreadsheets help us determine this, is you will get additional 5% bonuses on top of all of those if it is not a premium lead. If a premium lead means that it's a lead that we have given to you, or if it's a seller that turned into a buyer, as opposed to a prospective lead. A prospective lead is you're going after those Zillow and those Boomtown leads and, and turning them over, converting them so that they become a deal, basically. Those get an initial 5%, or if it's an agent-initiated lead, is another 5%. That is, if they go out and do an open house or contact the FISBO expired, whatever. So they're incentivized for going out and getting their own business that way by that additional 5%. And then they'll also get more premium leads if they do that. You know, the Glen Gary, Glen Ross leads, they get more of those should they convert more leads, basically. So it's a very much a incentivized system. Because what happened last year is when you're given the leads, the good leads, the premium leads, that is, you kind of, human nature will have you neglect the other leads. This is the low-hanging fruit here, and that's what you're going to gravitate towards and focus on those and not necessarily work on prospecting any other leads, feeling that perhaps, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just get another one from Noel. Another one is coming soon, you know, and then you just ignore the prospecting, basically. So that is a system that's working very well. So on the team, you have the four realtors you're about to add to. Who else is on the team structure-wise? So we do have a listing manager and we do have a closing manager. We've often considered doing just two transaction managers so that, again, always thinking about the client, wanting the client to have an experience where, hey, they're dealing with Shauna from beginning of listing all the way through to closing. But no, I don't think that's going to work out too well. It's, and it's a different personality, kind of. The listing manager is a little bit more creative. The closing manager is a more detailed kind of organized person. So we do have a separate listing manager to take care of all the listing details and then the closing manager so that all the buyer sales, the listing sales go to the closing manager. And then my most important position is a operations director. He's been with us for three years now, Steve, and he is taking over just beautifully. The ideal situation or the idea that Lee and I have, I don't know when that's going to happen, is to back off, really to back off on the hands-on and the detailed stuff of the business. And that's why I'm really revamping and working these systems so that Steve and the rest of the team can uh, take things over, basically. So Steve is going to be at the helm as far as overseeing what we have been doing. In addition to that, Lee is working on a system where we actually have buy into the company of, by the realtors, buying into the company, basically, so that they have some sort of stake. We are an independent firm. We've been with REMAX for 25 years. Prior to that, Century 21, Nicole Banker. But we opened up our own company about three years ago. We own our own building and all of that. And is just, I think, something that can happen in the future wherein the realtors and the, and the staff can take over, basically. So that's an interesting question in and of itself. But you're just in the beginning process of that. So we'll have to come back and talk at a future time about how you end up structuring that. So my understanding is you've got the, the four realtors, operation manager, listing manager, closing manager, anyone else? Oh, yeah. I have a um, what we call the field manager. She's a courier. She goes out and delivers and does the banking and all that stuff. But she also does our, we, have, we do the 3D Matterport photos, 3D virtual tours, and she does all of those for us. So we purchase the camera ourselves. It's quite a nifty thing there if you want to look that up. 
called uh, Matterport, M-A-T-T-E-R-P-O-R-T. Uh, it's a special camera that does 3D photography. And she goes out and does those. And we have a special other uh, outside photographer that does all of our really high quality photos on our homes and some drone shots here and there. And then I have a bookkeeper in the office also. She comes in once a week and takes care of all of our books and so on. And that is quite a job when you have your own brokerage and so on. So she takes care of all the bills and all that. And I believe that's about it in our digital marketing group, which I absolutely think is the best investment. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, you've got quite an operation running there. Uh, so people are going to be wondering, are you profitable? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're certainly profitable. Everybody's looking to be more profitable, but our profit is 30%. I'd like it to be in the 40s somehow, but it's only at 30%. I have a husband who, anything that comes across his email, he emails out to Steve and myself and says, oh, what about this? What about this? The next shiny thing. And we laugh about it. And it's just constantly wanting to purchase everything in sight, every new system, every new deal. And we have to curb his enthusiasm sometimes. <laughs> but um, but our spending is, is to the roof. We're certainly uh, profitable and we've been profitable for a while, but I'd like to see it in the 40s somehow. And that'll happen if we cut off spending. Well, it sounds like you're balancing each other out. Lee is stretching for new opportunities and you're keeping everything in check so that it's profitable and it's working and has worked for a long time. So So keep doing what you've been doing. My next question for you, Noelle, is what drives you? Oh, gosh. I think it's something stupid called perfectionism. <laughs> I think if it weren't for that, I probably would have left a long time ago because, you know, we've done very well for ourselves, never had children and all of that, and, and always thought that, you know, when we made what we wanted to make, that we would leave. But something keeps me going, and I think it's the fact that it's not like perfect yet. I still got some work to do here. I still got stuff to do. And when I revamped the seller and buyer process in the last several weeks, oh my gosh, I went to the meeting on Wednesday. We have a monthly meeting called the Lunch and Learn. And I laid everything out for them. And I was just, I couldn't control how fast I was talking because I was so excited about what these new systems were. And I was doing the systems and doing all this stuff so it could set me free and I could kind of retire and be out of this for not as much as I'm in it now, but it got me all geeked up again and all rejuvenated. And I don't want to leave. I ain't going nowhere. I want to continue to work on this stuff and make it, you know, as nice as possible. So that was kind of like, it's just, it's hard to leave it. It's my baby. It's something I created. Um, we've created our own company now. And I guess it's just the passion for wanting to always make things better, basically, is what keeps me going. Well, Noel, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? It's been an, an absolute rewarding career for us. Uh, I don't think I would have enjoyed life if I would have stayed being an engineer. Don't know why I ever got into it, but this just is meeting. Yeah, you're not going to meet the nicest people all the time, but the relationships and the things that you form is fantastic. So the advice that I would have for them is, First and foremost, do what we did, and that is get a good base going, and that is go out and focus on one particular area. Do geographic farming. Continue to bombard that area, whether it's phone calls or door knocking if you can these days, or just sending them stuff. But 
be the, the master in that particular area. And then you'll see the growth from there. I mean, we've long left that particular subdivision to go from that one little subdivision that we lived in all the way to practically two solid communities that were extremely well known in, which is how it happens, basically. But I see too many realtors getting in, trying to do everything everywhere. And I tell them, just focus, focus on one particular area, see the growth there, and then go from there. Do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Yes, definitely. Definitely. When we were in the Howard Britton star power system, uh, we, I would live to wait for those tapes to come out. Yes, they were tapes back then. <laughs> but for those cassette tapes to come out, and they used to come with a little, you know, I used to have my notepad and write so many notes down. I learned so much from realtors who were out there doing it. And the way I wanted to do it was, you know, I wanted to be like them, basically. But yes, I think they're tremendously valuable. I, I hope they are for others as well. Well, Noel, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? The only parting thoughts would be to understand, I guess, understand the nature of people <laughs> in order to really enjoy this business. Don't go into it or don't be in it if you're not going to be able to be adaptable and be able to work with people. You mentioned the DISC system before. You must understand the DISC system so you know how to adapt to these people, to understand who you are, first of all, and how to adapt to people and be on their level. That's the only way to continue to give good customer service. There's no way we would have been in this business for 35 years if I hadn't learned that early on in learning how to deal with people, basically. I get too many people that want to join the team or get in the business because they like houses and they like decorating houses. Well, it's not about that. It's about people, really, is what it boils down to. Well, Noel, you're right. Real estate is not about houses. It's about people. You showed us how you've been providing excellent service to your people for the last 34 years. So well, that 57% of your business is from repeat and referrals. You've mastered systems to create a smooth running business. You and Lee have proven that strong-willed spouses can not only work together, they can thrive. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 108 homes last year, and is willing to share lessons learned from her failures. Find out who she is on the next Success Call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. 
And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.